0: Well then, a final corner crash for Max Verstappen cost him pole position and maybe even the championship. Welcome back to the Grid Talk podcast. My name is Louis Edwards, and I'll be your host as we look at qualifying for the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix. Joining me today is Tom Downey from the Everything F One podcast. Hello, uh, Jawad Wakub from the Ape, uh, from Hit the Apex Media.
1: How's it going? Hello,
0: <laughs> and. For a debut on the podcast, uh, F1 writer Olivia Kyri.
2: Hello, thanks for having me.
0: So, before we get into qualifying, this is the podcast's first show since the unfortunate passing of Sir Frank Williams, um, of course, beloved team owner of the Williams uh, Formula One team. He's been in, he was in charge of it through all their glory years and even through their um, their down period and. Unfortunately, he passed away um, earlier in this earlier this week, um, So, Tom. You know, he was such a he was such a, he is a legend. Otherwise, he wasn't. You know, he wasn't in past tense. He still is an absolute legend of Formula yeah. One.
3: Yeah. So, I mean, where do you begin with Frank Williams? You know, I um, I talked about this on our podcast on Tuesday, and the name Williams is synonymous with Formula One. When I was a kid in the in the nineties and coming to the early two thousands, I'm not giving away my age. Um, I um, I always heard of three teams. I always heard of Ferrari because it was when Schumacher was beginning to get into his dominance and then started winning the titles. You heard of McLaren because of the name being British or the rest of it, and then you always heard of Williams. So I, I the first thing I remember of Williams is I remember being a very 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 young boy, and hearing about Jacques Villeneuve winning in '97. That's my first memory of Williams. And then growing up, I remember it was about 2002, I think. I had a, or it might be a bit later. I, I had a PlayStation, and I had this Williams steering wheel, F1 steering wheel, and. I remember it was, it was like a replica of one that you got in a Formula 1 car and it had the BMW logo in the middle. And I always picked a Williams car when I, when I went in there because I had a CMO that said Williams because Williams was the name that I knew. And F1 mourns the loss of Frank Williams, but we should also celebrate everything that he has achieved for the sports. The company, the team that he built with his bare hands – yeah, you know, quite literally. There's a story of him going out to a phone box and making a call to, I can't remember what he did, but he, to sell something because the electricity had been cut off to the building because he was scrimping so much. And we know how much Formula One costs these days to even get into it, let alone setting up a team. And when you see what he developed, what he built, if you look at some of the cars, some of the drivers, some of the staff that have come through Williams over the years, the likes of Sir Patrick Head, you know, synonymous with Williams. Uh, You know, he gave Sebastian Vettel his debut on Pablo Montoya. And then that's before we even get into all the championships and all the top, top top-tier drivers that drove for Williams. And then I think it's a bit poignant that Yeah, yeah, I think it's a bit poignant that um, we go to Saudi just after he's passed because Saudi Air was the first sponsor, first title sponsor he brought into Williams. So in some ways, that is almost like a really, really touching tribute. And just want to say, Sir Frank, thank you.
0: Yeah, and Olivia, he mentioned that. Um yeah, Tom mentioned that he built this team from literal. <laughs> He's is, he is like it's, it's an old school, you know, Formula One team started from nothing and it's gained so much success and it was so much down to to him. And as as Tom also mentioned, the about, the incredible drivers that have come through Williams uh is just incredible, isn't it?
2: It is, and you also have to also think about how much of a trailblazer. Williams has been, because right now they have Jamie Chadwick as their um, uh, test driver for Williams, which is quite cool, because that could mean that she could have an F1 drive soon as well. Um, Also, Claire Williams being um, team principal for such a long time, it's um, it's amazing to see women in Formula One taking such a stance, and for Williams to have been such a big part of that. It's such a testament to Sir Williams. I mean, Sir Frank Williams. So it's sad to see him go, but also you you have to. It's you have to remember to celebrate all he's done for F one. So it's wonderful.
0: Yeah, and Judd, And um, all the teams th- uh, this weekend are they have you know frank williams and his logo on their cars and it, it just goes to show just you know how you know much he was respected throughout the entire f1 paddock that every team is is show, is coming out and you know showing you know <laughs> that frank williams really did mean a lot to the sport
1: He did and like you know the legacy that he has left behind is quite an important one as well and I summed him up the other day too um, as a trailblazer for the sport and obviously what he's left there like Olivia was saying too, you know Jamie Chadwick being in that position as well and Claire Williams what she did um, when she was in charge as well of the team um, through that really difficult time for the team as well you know you think about all the success they've had they've also had quite a lot of Hardship as well. But, you know, it is so, it's been so good to see that they've been able to stay in the sport for as long as they have and in the kind of entity as an independent as well. And that was very important to Sir Frank and obviously Patrick Head as well at the time. Um, Now, you know, it was important for their survival, you know, to evolve and adapt and, you know, to be able to kind of lose that independent tag or maybe maybe moving forwards they might not be in that same boat. But yeah, just you know, the talent of drivers that they've had over the years, the the world champions obviously like for for us here in Australia, obviously we think Alan Jones, you know, quite special that he was not only, you know, um first world champion since Jack Brabham, but also the first world champion for Williams as well, drivers champion. So you know, and in that um, Saudi car as well, like Tom was saying. So, yeah, him, Damon Hill, uh, Jack Villeneuve, you know, Nigel Mansell, just so many great names. And then even through the 2000s, you know, you said Montoya, there was Weber, of course, Nico Rosberg, Sebastian Vettel, Nico Hulkenberg, you know, that awesome pole lap that he had in Brazil as well, you know, Williams. So, so many great memories um, for Williams. So sad. Uh, to see Sir Frank go, but, you know, he leaves behind such an important legacy and I'm glad that the teams have all um, pulled together to pay tribute to him this weekend. I wouldn't have expected any less, but, yeah, it's it's so good. And Russell as well with his um, tribute helmet, it's quite touching as well.
0: Yeah, it's it's, it's so nice to see the sport um, all come together to celebrate, you know, his life and, you know, what he was able to achieve and uh, he will be sorely missed. Um, even though he did step uh, away from Williams, of course, um, last season, he will, he's still uh, as a character and as someone who's played such a vital role in the the careers of so many drivers. He will be he will be deeply missed. But from from there, uh, Tom, we do need to talk about qualifying. And it was Lewis Hamilton who's taken. Quite a crucial pole position in terms of the world championship. Um, Edge started his teammate by over a tenth. But um, going into Q3, it did look like Lewis was struggling a bit with the car. But at the end, he did, you know, absolutely pull it out of the bag.
3: Yeah. Um, first of all, was a qualifying session full stop. Um, I mean, obviously, with the new track comes a bit of unknown. Um, but that was thoroughly enjoyable. And Lewis did put in an absolutely stormy lap to get poor position in the first place. And I'm, as we all know, I'm a actual Sapping fan, so I'm saying this with gritted teeth. Um, and I'm trying not to detract too much from it. But coming into Q3, um, it really looked like Red Bull had the upper hand, um, which I wasn't necessarily expecting coming into this weekend. But then as the temperature started to drop, we did see a bit of a favour towards the mercedes but then also there were talks on Sky Sports so they, that perhaps the Mercs had fueled up for both qualifying runs in one hit so they didn't have to come back in and refuel the cars. Which given <sighs> given this track and we were expecting an accident, I just didn't think it would be Max. Max, why? Um, I'll get on to that. Um, it was a stroke of genius by um, by Merc and it, and it sort of made Red Bull go all oh, right, we need to uh, pull another bag, which they so nearly did. But um, but in, in Cesar Lewis's lap, it still wasn't a perfect lap. He was the car just didn't look quite settled in certainly in in the sort of first two or three turns or you know, first sort of roughly sort of turn one to turn three or four. It just looked like the back end was just sliding a bit, and we did see that with a few cars this weekend. Um and also crucially he did more laps in Q2 on that medium tire. So that medium tire is going to be about five laps old as opposed to two laps old on the Red Bull. And I know that only sounds like three laps, but that it's these fine margins, which this 2021 season has balanced on, it could make all the difference.
0: Yeah, it could do. And um yeah, not only will he be starting on the, um, the the sort of older, if you can say older tyres, because they technically are. Um, he'll also be starting on the on the side of the grid, Olivia. That hasn't hasn't actually been too great so far in in from the F two races we've seen so far. That inside line um, that Bottas will have for tomorrow does seem to be a bit better because you can have the inside line for turn one and then. Squeeze, uh, uh, squeezy of the other driver onto the curb for turn two. So, does you know could Bottas really come into play tomorrow, especially if Bottas gets a good start?
2: He really could because because um, that means that Max is right behind Lewis on the side of the track that seems to be problematic. So <laughs> it's kind of a, it's it's up in the air really because we don't know what could happen with both title fighters because now. Um, I mean, Max could have a toe from Lewis, but how good could that be if the side of the track he's on is kind of rough and tough. But yeah, no, Bottas could. But I feel like with Bottas, it's really hard to know how his starts could go because he has really weird reaction time. And, or he's really, he goes into, I don't know if it's anti-stall or he looks like he's going backwards when, like, I don't know with Bottas. It's, it's very odd with him, but... um yeah, it could be an interesting one, an interesting start.
0: Yeah, Bottas lining up second, which of course is good uh, for Mercedes. You can technically clinch the Constructors' World title uh, this weekend, but they have to outscore Red Bull by 40 points, uh, yeah. which unless both Red Bulls don't finish is, is highly unlikely. But um, yeah, but they will be glad Jared, that they are ahead of third place. Um, Max Verstappen, who could have taken pole. Probably should have taken pole, but one lockup, one, you know, bit hard press on the throttle, and that was it. That was the end of his qualifying.
1: (laughs) Just like that. And, you know, um, 27 corners as well, the longest uh, or like the most corners that they have at any track this year. So, you know, to bin it right at the end was just one of those heart-in-your-mouth moments. like I don't know how Tom was saying how he felt, you know, before we went um, on air. And, yeah, it's just like even as a neutral, you know, you could probably say it's easy to feel the same way. But he was so good throughout the entire qualifying anyway, just – you know, purple sector after purple sector, and it just looked like you kept finding time on parts of the track that you didn't think that you could go any faster. Like, obviously, first time here, and we don't know what the absolute limits are until now we've found. But like even you were saying, it's so dizzying just watching the onboards because it's like left, right, left, right, left, right, and just so fast. But, yeah, I think hopefully they don't get, um, it, they don't have to change the gearbox. You know, it did look pretty light. The damage um, starting from third and it's such a short run 2 turn one, very much like Singapore. And we know we've seen first corner carnage at Singapore at the front as well. So if we can avoid anything like that, that's going to be crucial. But yeah, it's, it's going to be one of those races where we're not going to see overtaking much and it might come down to what happens in the pit stops very much. So um, I don't think it's all lost for Max starting from third, but yeah, you know, given the pace that we saw from him during qualifying, you know, it was a real shame that he won't be on pole position.
0: Yeah, I do actually want to get um, all your opinion um, yeah, on, on this because Tom, like you were disappointed that Max is, uh, you know, not going to be on pole, but they were saying when they were looking at the... Um, the onboards after, after qualifying that there doesn't seem to be any, any sort of like real disparity between the Mercedes and Red Bull in terms of straight line speed. And given just how quick Max is through that first sector, it could give him an edge over the Mercedes, especially when he's just going to be in a DRS train, essentially what we're expecting
3: tomorrow. Yeah. And whilst some people are saying, Oh, Max has blown away the rest of it. He's still starting P3. You know, he is behind Hamilton, and all it takes is one good launch, and Hamilton just gives him the smallest of slipstreams. Max will stick that car somewhere where the sun doesn't shine, and he will stop. He will basically say to Hamilton, Right, you either break or we repeat Monza or or something, and and you know, and, and it goes and and then we roll on to next week. So it's not like he's starting at the back of the grid or he's starting P10. Obviously, this is subjective. If he doesn't get, um, if he does need to change the gearbox, if he does need to change the gearbox, different story. But I'm at the moment I'm talking as if he doesn't need to because it doesn't appear that he does. Um, realistically, he's going to make light work of Bottas if he even gets up behind him at all. He will squeeze Bottas and he'll just he'll just run rings around him. Is no disrespect to Bottas, but this is why Hamilton and Verstappen are the two elite top drivers in F1. There are some very, very, very good drivers in other teams, but at the moment you cannot look past Hamilton and Verstappen, and this is where that talent will shine. So, so tomorrow he's still not in a bad position. You know, if 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 Hamilton sort of slips launch or something or doesn't quite get the bite right as, as he launches. Plus the tyres he's on just going to be that bit older, like we talked about. You no, know, Max, he could still easily do it tomorrow. Um, strategy could come into it. He's going to need Perez to clear Leclerc pretty quickly, get up to get up to P four, or ideally get even higher again. But let's be realistic here. Um, a win for Max is certainly not out of contention at all.
0: Yeah, it's a. a, th- a- I did say in my intro, but I think some people are taking this as uh, sort of gospel that Max has now bottled this championship. But Olivier, as we've mentioned, he's starting on fresh tyres. There may be a few laps fresher, but fresher nonetheless. Those differences do make, you know, marginal gains are big in Formula One. Um, it is an over for Verstappen. And we've seen, you know, even his race pace hasn't been terrible he does have a chance tomorrow
2: yeah he does um just like you said obviously it's not ideal because it's a lot like monaco where there's not much overtaking um but i do think there's still the opportunity for max to to keep on in the in the lead of a championship because um just like you said again the pit stops he has a chance to maybe do have an undercut overcut I don't know how it works at um Jeddah because this is the first time that we're going here but um yeah no I don't think he has completely binned it um it's just it just sucks though because I'm also a Verstappen fan um but that lap for his last lap the Q3 lap I honestly believe that would have been Paul just the way he was pushing um but i think with the pace that he has right now there is quite the chance that um in the first lap when lights go out he could uh launch ahead of of hamilton but also bottas is on the other side so it it really is up in the air but i don't think it's completely it's completely done um if not i still don't think that the gap in the championship would be considerable enough for um a winner to be determined in this race, but I think... I honestly... It it really is up in the air for this one. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, If if any of you listeners aren't aware of how the championship can pan out, um, uh, well, the condition for Max to win this weekend is if he finishes first with the fastest lap, Lewis has to finish sixth or lower. First without the fastest lap is seventh or lower. Um, And if he finishes second... Yeah, uh, it's second with the fastest lap. He has to, Lewis will be tenth or lower, and if he doesn't get the fastest lap and second place, Max, uh, no, Lewis will not have to finish at all. I think I think I'm correct on that. <laughs> um, they they pu- they put it up so much this weekend. I, I feel like I really should know it. But um, Jawad, we'll we'll move on to P4. Charles Leclerc um, continuing had an absolute horror show in um, Qatar in terms of qualifying. Um, he's got his best uh, qualifying since Turkey and it was, it was a pretty mighty lap and he's got ahead of one of the Red Bulls.
1: He has indeed. And yeah, prime position in case anything does happen um, with the top three as well during the race. So, you know, like we were saying with, with Qatar, he absolutely had a shocker and this time it's his teammate who's ended up having the, um, it's bit of a reversal. So I have a sneaking suspicion, you know, and when we do predictions later, I'll probably say, yeah, I could expect P3 for Leclerc in this one. Um, but yeah, splitting the Red Bulls as well, quite crucial and just gives him that buffer, you know. We know, or I'm kind of consigned to the fact that, yeah, it's, it's a bit lost for McLaren this year now, finishing third in the Constructors. So, you know, for Leclerc to um, solidify that position to Ferrari will be important in this race. And um, looking quite good, I've got to say, they're just, you know, on and this sort of circuit, you know, they've been really good at street circuits all year. They had the polls, obviously, in Monaco and uh, Baku as well, I think. So, you know, fourth is, is pretty good considering they split the Red Bulls and, yeah, could be in the hunt for a trophy tomorrow.
0: Yeah. Um, uh, in the F2, in after the first F2 race, uh, it was a... Um, <laughs> They, uh the well, whoever was controlling the flag behind the podium uh, predicted a a max win Lewis second and a and a um a Leclerc third even though I don't know why he put the the wrong flags up for the um for the F two after it was <laughs> it was Liam Lawson and I think it was um the other the other Kiwi is it Marcus Armstrong no he's also, he's Australian I can't remember Piast, isn't he? Piastri Pias- yeah, is Pias- the Aussie. <laughs> yeah. is Pias- I the Aussie? think so.
3: Yeah. <laughs> sorry, Jared. <sorry, David.
0: laughs> anyway, yeah, it was a New Zealand 1 2, and then an, Est- uh, an Estonian driver got third, and <laughs> they put up uh, yeah, the Dutch, the British, and the, the Monegasque flag. So, you know, you might be right, Jared, from the end of
1: <laughs> Do a- doing a little rehearsal, <laughs> hopefully. Yeah.
0: Um, so, fifth place, Tom was. Sergio Perez and he he's looked pretty off it uh, for a lot of this weekend but he seemed to bounce back in qualifying but still not enough p5 not where he needs to be he really needs to be fourth um alongside um max or even higher you know near bottas but he's got to make sure he clears the clear as soon as possible tomorrow
3: yeah um it it was a better saturday for um uh for paris cuz he didn't have the best of weekends in Qatar, should we say, or so not the best of qualifying. Um So it's nice to see him up there. You could, you could argue should be P4 with the pace of that Red Bull, but Leclerc is an exceptional driver. Um, and he wasn't too far off in, in, in his defense. But in terms of him getting up there, you're absolutely right. He needs to get, he needs to get that Ferrari dealt with as soon as possible. Um, You'd like to think he would, because Perez has proven how good an overtaker he is this year when he has had to come from some bad grid spots. Um, and you would you would think that he'll sort of clear clear that Ferrari relatively quickly, whether it's on the first lap, whether it takes sort of say I don't know ten laps with the DRS train or something, he will get him out of the way, and he's gonna, he's gonna, he's going to need to be up there. Um, to uh, to to basically provide. Rear rear gun cover to max, um, you know, and you know, we say it time and time and time again with with Perez, he's so good with the tires, he's eating out two stops into a one stop. Um, if Red Bull can get him up there, and as harsh as it is, sacrifice his race, um, or you know, perhaps sacrifice his chance to the win, to force Mercedes into into an alternative strategy on a track which is an unknown. Um. That could play into their advantage because that's that's one flexibility Red Bull have with Perez, arguably over Bottas. Uh, sorry, arguably over Mercedes with Bottas, is that Bottas isn't really like the tire whisperer, um, whereas Perez and hasn't has an element of Doctor Zeus about him um, when it comes to getting the tires to do what he wants. So it it should be good for Perez tomorrow. I would say. Um, He does, he can't go into the race expecting a win because he must know. And I'd imagine Red Bell would have told him to say, Look, hun, if you're winning, we're going to get you out the way for Max. Which, if I was Perez, I would, you know, I know I'd be there to do that. Um, but yeah, hopefully, good for him tomorrow. I just hope he doesn't go backwards.
0: Yeah, just on the topic of Red Bull, um, yeah, it's been confirmed that they are not going to uh, appeal any of the decisions or protest any of the decisions made by the FAA towards Lewis Hamilton uh, with his um, ignoring double wave yellows and impeding of Nikita Mazepin. So um, that's one thing with um, Lewis is not going to have to worry about uh, tomorrow. Um, but we now move on to Pierre Gasly, who um, won't be getting a penalty for his... Um, impeding of Carlos Sainz-Olivia. He's just getting a a bit of a telling off, really. But still, P6, um, two one-thousandths of a second of Sergio Perez in the main Red Bull car. Gassi is just on fire, and he just shows it week after week.
2: He really does. Um, I think that's, like, his position, P6, for the whole year. Um, But, um, I mean, it's a good thing that he's up there, but you kind of feel bad for him because... He doesn't have a Red Bull seat. I mean, um, Sergio Perez is doing a good job, but then you also have to kind of ask yourself, does Gasly also deserve it as well? But Albon's coming back for Williams, which is also interesting. (laughs) But Pierre Gasly has been actually doing a really good job this whole season. Um, But as for the FIA ruling, um, again, I don't know. You never know how to feel about um, what the FIA says nowadays, because it's really... It's, it's not consistent. One time it's you get a slap on the wrist, the other time you're in jail for the weekend. You don't know anymore. But um, I think it's also a good thing, though, because it kind of leaves it up to racing and not that people are chasing to get back to the front when they've been put back or set back by a grid penalty. So um, I think that's a good thing going into tomorrow that we'll have a race, an actual race, focused on racing. So, yeah, good for him. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, the, the, these FIA decisions, um, I think Lewis, uh, Lewis and Max are in kind of the category of their own when it comes to um, FIA rulings at the moment, <laughs> yeah. because I don't think they want to impede this championship fight, um, well, impede it as little as possible. Um, P7, Lando Norris. Um, McLaren looked, well, especially Lando, he's looked very quick. Um he couldn't um, he couldn't get the medium tires to work in Q2, had to switch over to the softs He's the only person in the top 10 I believe who will be starting on the Softs um, tomorrow. So even though this McLaren ha- does have good pace and he's not in the worst starting position, he is kind of <laughs> gonna have to be sort of fighting with one arm time his back tomorrow considering those Softs are, are likely to give up fairly early on.
1: Yeah, and I think the only like saving grace with the soft tire will be he could get a better start and possibly up a position or two, depending on how the other two ahead go. Um, but yeah, it is very much going to be one hand tied behind the back, and only you know McLaren were targeting just getting one car into Q three. It seemed anyway, so I think you know P P six P seven that might be the maximum. Uh, that they'll get on the day. But, yeah, it's it's not looking that great for them particularly. But good on Lando for getting into Q3 as well. And just really he's kind of just been carrying the team the whole year with his results and everything and, you know, had a little bit of a dip in form um, in the second half of the season or really since the Russian Grand Prix. But, you know, finishing strongly um, these last couple of races I think will – do all the world are good for confidence and you know something other than like p9 or 10 would be nice as well because i think he had like three races or two races in a row recently where he finished 10th or whatever and then ninth in qatar so if he can score a few more points then yeah that that would be quite good
0: yeah i think he'll like to go a weekend without a puncture to be um <laughs> to be completely honest um so let <laughs> see if he can hold on to those soft tires and um, not do what Lance Stroll did uh, in FP3 and actually got a puncture on his um, on his soft tyres. Um, Tom, P8, Yuki Tsunoda. Now, I think I do have to give some sort of special shout-out to Yuki Tsunoda. Um, he has been absolutely on it this weekend. It is a miracle of form that we've seen, this sort of turnaround we've seen from Yuki Tsunoda in the last couple of races. P8 um, in qualifying. But the, the question is, can he actually hold on to it? Because in in Qatar, he dropped like a lead balloon. Uh,
3: <laughs> could he
0: maybe just hang on to the points for this weekend?
3: Uh, I'd like. I really want to see him hold on to the points because I have been very critical of Sonoda, um, but I do think he is beginning to come into his element. Uh, he, oh, I think he could hold on to the points this weekend. I think the track will certainly help him. Sorry, I'm watching the F2 on the other screen and Piastri is going at it with the Ruvula. Um <laughs> he's um yeah God is tense. <laughs> um but uh, but in, in in terms of Sonoda he could do you know he could oh god Piastri's just taking the lead um I will get to Sonoda I promise um yeah he he, he could hold on to the points and perhaps the circuit will do him a couple of favors in that respect, provided he doesn't get stuck in a DRS train, I think he could be all right. Um, who's he got directly behind him? I can't remember. Is it Giovinazzi?
0: He's got. Uh, well, directly behind him will be Antonio Giovinazzi. So yeah,
3: yeah. So it's you know, with you know, Gio is probably going to fall back, so that might give Senna you know, a bit of breathing room behind him. Um I just I just hope that Sunday doesn't get too tangled in with what's going on going on around him. Um it'd be good for Alpha Tauri to get a decent set of points. They should have had decent points last week, but obviously did not. Um so we'll see.
0: Yeah, hopefully we will see. But um behind him, not directly behind him, but behind him on the grid, Olivier, is Esteban Ocon. Um who was sort of a rare sort of turn of events, has outqualified his um, teammate Fernando Alonso. Andy, he's, he's looked pretty handy. The Alpine, it's been a weird sort of mix in the midfield. There's been such a, you know, one team's on top and then another team's on top. And um, maybe uh, he could drag his Alpine to decent points, but um, it's still, P9, it's not a terrible result considering what the season that Ocon's had this year.
2: Yeah, no, it's not. And Just like you said, it's kind of odd. You never know where... Um, either Alpine car going to end up, could be at the top and like top six, could be at the bottom and the bottom 20. I mean, bottom 15, I don't know. Um, it's really hard to know. But um, yeah, considering how things have been going for Ocon, it's quite a good position to start in. Hopefully, yeah, he could get good points. It could be interesting to see if Alonso could do the same, rise through um, the grid for a decent points finish for both of the cars but um yeah Ocon could hold on to the position i think he will um but yeah it's a it's a good competitive one for him
0: yeah and especially when um, he's got both Alpha Tauri's ahead of him and yeah. they still got this title uh, well not uh, this constructors battle uh, with um uh, with Alpha Tauri still Alpha going Tauri. on so yeah it's, he's going to have to get up there somewhere. But um, rounding out the top ten, Judd is Antonio Giovinazzi. Um, Not something I would have expected. Considering he is he is on his way out of the sport. Um, but I remember someone in commentary made a made a joke that this track is very Formula E like. Um, maybe Formula E. <laughs> and considering he's moving to Formula E, maybe you know tracks like this are going to suit him. <laughs>
1: It's just a bit of a rehearsal for for next year, but yeah, fourth time this year, he's made it into Q3, but I think every time he has been in Q3, he's dropped like a lead balloon, like you guys say on the first lap. So I don't, you know, expect him to keep that position at all. You never know. He might get lucky, but um, he's had good qualifying pace this year, you know, relative to his teammate, of course, but just can't do anything in the race about it. So I'm uh, not expecting much from him <laughs> tomorrow, to be honest. Um, and yeah, you've got guys like Ricardo Alonso behind science. I reckon might, you know, sneak into the points there. So yeah, um, I don't think Gio's going to stay put for long, but you never know. Yep.
0: You never know the Italian Jesus may, may <laughs> <You> pull <laughs> off a miracle. Um So Tom, P eleven Daniel Ricciardo. Um, I've mentioned that it was it was pretty obvious that McLaren were only really targeting one uh, one car in um, in Q three and Daniel Ricciardo. He, he's eleventh. He gets to start on a fresh set of tyres in a track which I think tyres are going to be quite, especially front uh, tyres are going to be quite limited. So it's not the worst place to start. But given Daniel Ricciardo's record of actually you know recovering from these positions, we may not. Actually, I need
3: to expect too much from him tomorrow. No, I think the harsh reality is Danny Rick's not going to get that far ahead tomorrow. And it's like, watch it now. As I said, that he'll come through like P3 or something. It'd be so slow, wouldn't it? But the brutal reality is how many times have we seen that this season where Danny Rick is just not been on the pace of Lando or been on the pace of the Ferraris who has been back in so close with it in, who or his team rather has been back so close with in the championship this yeah. year and I hasten to say it because yes Danny Rick is a race winner and I'm sure it's McLaren are the only team with a 1-2 this season as well which still blows my mind to this day um, is uh, <laughs> I am um, if uh, if Danny Rick would have gone to Q3 Few more times he'd have been in better positions to start a race, especially look at like the likes of Monaco or something, where overtaking is notoriously difficult. McLaren would have been in a much much better position in the constructors, and if he'd have been better this season, that could have been the difference between third and fourth for them in the constructors. Um, as for tomorrow, I think he's got to hope for maybe a bit of shenanigans in front of him that he can take advantage of. Hopefully he won't get caught in the DRS train or get caught in like a a lap one melee or something. Um, But I fear it's going to be a fairly quiet race in terms of we don't hear much from him on the commentary other than he's pitted.
0: Yeah, it tends to be um, that. And starting next to him, Olivia, Kimi Raikkonen, P12. um, Had a little bit of a... um, well, uh I don't know how the way to put it, but Bottas well, in his attempt to try and get out of the way, he actually hit Kimmy um as he um as he came out one of one of the many corners in the Saudi Arabia track. But still P twelve is is really good and you know, this is his second to last um, you know, race in Formula One. He's he's not gonna he's, he's, he's looking like he's not gonna go out without a fight.
2: Oh, is this for me. Sorry, my yes, connection sorry. kind of was wonky. Um, is this about Raikkonen? Yeah, um, yeah, no, um, I don't know what to say because I guess he's kind of very nonchalant about things, so uh, but he does put his elbows out when he's racing, so I guess he could end up in the point as well, could displace his teammate, um, um. Uh, but I, I don't know. It's really hard to know with him because it could go either way as well. He The pace of the car is kind of um, inconsistent. Uh, but I think he's one of those drivers that outperforms a car. So he could get up in the points. But I doubt it would be an interesting track for him um, racing on. I guess it's fast and everything, but not much overtaking for him to do. So I feel like he'll be stuck in 12, maybe up one but yeah not much for him to do
0: yeah he's a man of few words and I imagine he has very few words to say about this track as well Um but you're starting ahead uh, Jad, of Fernando Alonso P13 which given the fact that he's generally out qualified Ocon this season to be four places lower than Ocon means that maybe Fernando just isn't feeling this track or just isn't feeling the car on this track and it maybe isn't quite relative, like, respective of actually where his pace may be?
1: Yeah, probably a bit of column A, bit of column B. For me, I think the most entertaining part of qualifying with Fernando was his reaction to Max's lap. I don't know if you've seen the images of him being interviewed and, him watching it on the screen, and then yeah, just the way he and uh, Ricardo reacted to the, the crash as well was quite entertaining. So, but yeah, no, I don't think, um, given the top 10 pace that we've seen from Ocon, um, Alonso's qualifying position is uh, respective of that. So, you know, I'm sure he can hustle a few positions during the race, um, and they can have a good, they've been really good with their you know, tire life as well. Uh, so. I'm sure they can kind of wrestle something out of the bag for race day. And, you know, uh, like what Tom was saying about Ricardo not moving anywhere, it's probably true because he he gets caught in too many DRS trains and doesn't really make much headway. So I feel like, yeah, your Alonzo's and your Sciences are probably going to come through a bit better than the other guys.
0: Yeah, F- uh, Fernando is nothing but a, sort of a hustler on lap one. I'm sure he'll uh, <laughs> be able to um, find his way through. Um, P14, George Russell, Tom, you know, Mr. Saturday gets through to Q2. It's pretty he's pretty much a cl- cliche now. Um, we're going to kind of miss this uh, when, when he moves to Mercedes when he's in Q3 um, pretty much every weekend. But P14, it's not the, not the worst place to start, but he's Realistically, he's not really going to go anywhere, is he?
3: No, um, I mean, you, you pretty much said it, 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 it's what we almost expect from George Russell now, um, which is also a testament to how well Williams have improved over the last sort of two seasons because they've been on a downward trajectory since, what, 2017, I'd say, um, with a couple of sort of false positives in there. Um, Yeah, I don't think we're going to see much from him. Tomorrow, I'm not expecting too much from him because there's what can he really do from where he is? Unless he gets super unless he gets the mother of all launches and has some luck go his way in terms of accident, safety cars, all the rest of it. We're unlikely to see him sort of up to the top. And I would I would probably anticipate Vettel going around him as well. But also you know, who saw, who saw Rock on winning at Hungary? So, you know, no, no, never say never. i am just being realistic.
0: Yeah, never say never. But um, in, in this case, we might just say never. Um, <laughs> Olivia, P15, Carlos signs, and he just could not, you know, hook up a lap in, in Q2 if he tried. Um, he was incredibly lucky not to, you know, end this session early anyway, because he he was so close to playing in the wall. And then even on his second attempt completely lost it and had to abandon his lap. He just that Ferrari just did not look settled for him.
2: Yeah, no, it was nail biting when he almost went into the back of the went into the wall. But yeah, no, that was quite a day to forget for him. It was not a good qualifying session for him. Um it's quite interesting because usually um he seems to be to have an edge over Leclerc just a tiny bit this season. Um so it's quite interesting for Leclerc to have the edge over him this time so um yeah no I think he will have the he I think he will rise through um rise up in the grid um but it was quite it was quite surprising for him to for us to see that from him because he seems to be such a diligent driver and one not for mistakes so um Maybe that's what it's going to be like tomorrow for lots of drivers because I guess it's so narrow and so close to the wall and one mistake and you're in the wall. So maybe we'll see lots of that, more of that. So we don't know. I don't know. It's for the first time going into a track like this, you don't know what to expect, but there was quite surprising to see a P15 for Carlos, but he's not going to stay there, I doubt. <laughs>
0: No, that Ferrari does look like it has um, a good pace, which has been shown by Charles Leclerc. And yeah, hopefully, you can make a strategy work and maybe stay out the wall because uh, rear grip on that Ferrari does look a bit um, sketchy. Uh, yeah. Jawad, you've got the unenviable task of talking about uh, P16, Nicholas Latifi. Um, it, I, I, just like the hustle, it's like we've got to a certain point in the season now where it's, it's really difficult to know what to say about Latifi. You know, He's just he's just going to the end of the season for you know hopefully like a better twenty twenty two really isn't it?
1: Mm, well, like one thing you can take away from this qualifying, he outqualified both the Aston Martins, so that's something you know. Like Tom said as well about George, there's not really much he can do in the race, and you know it's more just the entire Williams team. I think you know we're just looking forward to seeing. What they can do in 2022 with the new lineup and hopefully, you know, further up the grid as well, you know, more into that midfield fight. And that's where we're really going to see um, Latifi either, you know, prove to everyone that, yeah, he does deserve a spot there at Williams for a couple more years or that he doesn't kind of thing if if Albon shows him up. So, yeah, I, yeah, not much that he can do in this race. I actually think he'll probably um, drop a bit further back and finish ahead of the horses if he does survive till the end of the race. But um, yeah, that's going to be just the key for tomorrow is survival.
0: Yeah, it, it could possibly be a race of attrition. And I'll, uh, I think I'll ask for your um, safety guard predictions uh, later on in the podcast. Um, Tom, yeah. The two Aston Martins, seventeenth and eighteenth. Um, I mean, Vettel just didn't seem to have the pace, and I will say, in maybe in defence of Stroll, he came across an absolute deadlock of traffic when he went to start his lap, and I think he completely screwed up his um, sort of his preparation going into it. But still, seventeenth and eighteenth for Aston Martin. I know they've been inconsistent. I know they've not been great, but they've not been that bad.
3: No, I, I think both Aston's going out in Q1 is, uh, it doesn't, it's not a true reflection on how that car is. Yet, yeah, okay, they're not reaching the heights of when they were racing under the moniker of Racing Point last year, but they are not Q1 exit level cars. Now, they have sat on the podium twice, and yes, I am counting hungry in that. Um, you know, they have had some decent results. You know, Stroll got what P6 last week or the week before? In Qatar, so take from that what you will. Um, yeah, um, you could hear the disappointment in Seb's voice when when he crossed the line um, to to find out that he was P seventeen. It's just like he was he, he was he was almost in disbelief, and yeah, I can I can I can see why um, it was a it was it was not a good showing for them, and unfortunately, I don't think they're going to do that much better this weekend. On the plus side, they will have another Aston Martin at the back of the field because obviously the medical car sits behind the pack when they start. And I think the only time the only time we're going to see an Aston at the front is when the safety car comes out because it is going to come out tomorrow. I'm calling it now.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, given the, the sort of F2, I think uh, we, we should expect a safety car tomorrow. And, Olivia, we of course, we always save the best or last half's. Um, P19, P20 fair play to Mick, he was only a tenth off Lance Stroll but in a further second behind you know we any, anytime we talk about Haas there's not really much we can say but as you are new onto the podcast maybe you can put some fresh perspective on just how miserable Haas' results have been
2: <laughs> I mean I just like you said there's not much you can say Um, you're at the back of the grid for the whole season what is there? What is there else that you can do? There's, I mean, we all know they're going to be there for the for the, during the race, or we don't know what could happen. Um, but I don't know. There's not much you can say. I I, I guess good for Mick for keeping on, um, out qualifying his teammate, which is quite sad for Bazapin because I mean, what can he say at the end of the season? What much has he done <laughs> at the end of the season? But. Uh, yeah, no, there isn't much to say for both Haas drivers. Uh, hopefully, going into twenty twenty two, with the new rules and regulations and the new power units and everything, hopefully, um, they'll be closer up, closer up in the rankings. But as for now, yeah, no, not much to say for them. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's always it's always the task I set upon someone <laughs> yeah, each <laughs> each time to try and talk about the Haas cars. It's a uh, it is quite difficult.
1: I don't know what's worse this morning my hangover or the Haas form. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm
3: gonna go on a limb and say the Haas form. <laughs> yeah, no, <I'm
1: laughs> that's <angry>. being kind. <laughs> <laughs>
3: uh,
0: right, so that's all. That's all. Twenty drivers. Um, so now it's time for the podium predictions, and I'm, I think this one is going to be quite difficult. I think Jared you're the only one who sort of maybe even alluded to having a, uh, a podium prediction in place, but uh, <laughs> enlighten us. Who who do you think will be on the podium for this week? Do we
1: do we listen to or do we go with that um, little flag um, stuff up for F two? What was it? Um, Verstappen, Hamilton, and Leclerc. Yeah. Was it? Yeah. Oh, words. look, it's it's hard. I think I'm gonna say Hamilton, Verstappen, Leclerc. Um, I, yeah. Just I, I don't know. I have a feeling um, it's gonna happen, but I hope I'm wrong and we we get a cracking race and you know Max can take a win away before going into the final race. But yeah, I'm gonna just say Hamilton, Verstappen, and Leclerc for this one. Okay, Tom. Uh, I think Hamilton and Verstappen are going to
3: crash. I think Verstappen's not going to leave anything out there. And I think he's going to wipe out Hamilton and the two of them are going to DNF and Leclerc's going to come up behind. He's going to mop up, make up retribution for Monaco. Okay. I'm putting it out there. I'm putting it out there. <laughs> and then and then Porridge himself is going to come home and take P2 and um, he's going to stay ahead of Perez and P3.
0: Okay, that is. We'll get to the bold predictions later, but <laughs> um, <laughs> Olivia, uh, think I think
2: I'm, that? I'm, I'm going to agree with um, Jawad on Hamilton, Verstappen, Leclerc, uh, and knock on wood for Tom's predictions, <laughs> um, because I feel like. I feel an inconsistency with um, Bottas's power unit. I feel like he's going to retire. I do not think he's going to get through the full race if he does good for him, but um, I don't know. I think it worked for qualifying, but there was kind of a scare when we thought that he was going onto the weighing bridge, but he heard weird noises. But I don't think it will withstand the whole um, race. Uh, But yeah, no. I don't, I hope there's no crash. I mean, it would be good for entertainment, but for racing, I hope there's no crash. But I do think it, it could be um, Hamilton, Verstappen, um Leclerc podium.
0: I mean, we really do have the possibility of three wide to turn one. If you think about it, Bottas is on the inside on the favoured sort of side of the grid to start. Hamilton's on older medium tyres. And then you've got Max behind, who's always a bit rapid off the start. On fresh Mm. and medium ties, we could have absolute carnage.
1: I'm just remembering, was it 2018 or 17 uh, Singapore where we had that, you know, implosion from Seb Vettel and like, you know, he took out his teammate and Max somehow was involved as well. Like, you know, that's that's what I'm picturing (laughs) could happen here. But yeah. that was a wet, it was wet as well on the grid. So, you know, that, that made all the difference, but yeah, th- that's all I think of when, when I hear Tom's prediction. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll see tomorrow. Um, my, my personal prediction, I'm actually, I'm going to, I'm going to put it out there. I'm going to go Max Verstappen to win, Um uh, Lewis Hamilton, um, second and I'm going to go pretty boring, but, uh, Valtteri Bottas third, uh, their hand bot well, we, we, we,
1: we traditions yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so now move on to the bold prediction um Jared, got a bold prediction for this race
1: um i'd probably be bold in saying what if we get no safety cars at all and it it, it just ends up being such a clean procession but
0: Maybe i actually because I was actually gonna ask each of you how many safety cards do you reckon we're <laughs> actually gonna have in this yeah. in this race. Um but yeah, zero safety cards I think could actually be quite a bold prediction.
1: Yeah, no, because it's uh, where's it happened before? Um I forgot. I'm sure there's a straight race we've had in the last couple of years where the the build-up was all like, oh, it's gonna be chaos and this and that, and it just ends up being, you know, just Procession and trains everywhere. Nothing much going on. So that's, that's had, quite bold, I think.
3: We've had a few Monaco's like that.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that'll be. The, I'm sure that'll be my prediction. Then no safety cars.
3: Okay, uh, Tom. I mean, I've kind of already done mine, haven't I? Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. um uh, I mean, I, I don't want it to happen, but it could happen, couldn't it? Just see the two of them steaming into turn one, and I might be about to go full Welsh when I make no apologies for it, but you might be about to see Verstappen come steam up the yeah, outside and go, Hi, and then just have the two of them just absolutely KO with each other and go, yep, see you in the lobby bet, and then just off they go and see same in the final week. Oh, I, I, I don't know. It, i, I got to stick with what I said, haven't I, the, Uh, Well, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm gonna say there's gonna be an accident between the two of them, and and Toto's gonna be writing emails, and Horn is gonna be on the blower, and and yeah,
0: Uh, yeah, for some reason, this is making me like super hyped because all I'm thinking is like they're definitely gonna crash now, (laughs) yeah. Uh, Olivia, do you have a do you have a bold prediction?
2: Um. I like Tom's, although I really don't want it to happen because I want uh, um, uh, uh, racing. But I think because <laughs> when Yoss is around, I think Verstappen's always on edge. So I do see it happening. I honestly do, but I really hope it doesn't. Um, but I would go ahead to say maybe a Red Bull one too. I don't know. I don't know if that could happen. I don't know. Bold. We'll see. There's <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: this, this the nature of bold predictions. Yeah. Um... I have a pretty safe one, which is usually a Latifi for the points. And given this, it could be a race of high attrition. (laughs) I'm going to back it. (laughs) I think, I think it could happen, but yeah, quick, sort of like quick fire. So Jared, you've said no safety cars, but realistically, how many, how many safety cars do you reckon we're going to have?
1: Let's say three. I think three is a good number because safety cars breed safety cars. When um, we go for restarts and stuff.
0: Yeah, Tom. Yeah, how many saved cars?
3: I'm going to say one. I think if there's not one early on, I think most people are going to, going to go into tire saving mode, and unless we have blowouts at the end, cough, Baku, cough. I I, I don't think there'll be more than one. Okay,
0: Olivia.
2: I mean, I think now I have to kind of go for two. <laughs> so yeah, I think I'm going to go with two. Could be, yeah, seems like a safe bet to go two. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I think uh, for me, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Tom. I think it's going to be one. I think if it if it comes, it's going to come probably early on, and it'll or so, like someone mid rated. And I think it will just be lack of grip. Someone puts it in the wall. It won't be. I don't think it's going to be. Um, sort of like two drivers coming together. I think it's going to be something like signs. You know, just someone rides the curb a bit too much and just flings them into the wall, or what, like Claire did. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's our um, uh, podium, bold, and safety car predictions. It's the first on the uh, on the grid talk podcast. But um, that is actually all um, all from us today. Um, if you' are watching the show live on youtube you'll know that we live stream but if you are listening to this later we live stream all of our podcasts so make sure to subscribe to the um the grid top podcast uh, youtube channel and turn the notifications on so you are notified every time that we go live um you can also it allows you to watch the shows early and that you can also ask us questions in the comments uh we're also available on spotify app, Apple Music, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Omni Studio, Verbal, as well as the F1 Chronicle website. Just search for the F1 Grid Talk podcast. We have a huge back catalogue of over 150 shows. So if you are stuck for something to listen to, maybe between now and the race, or even between um, this race and the next one in Abu Dhabi, we have loads of shows for you to uh, listen to. Not just sort of race reviews, but we also have documentary-style ones about. Ethan Senna in the 1994 Benetton conspiracy, as well as interviews with Mario Izola from Pirelli. Um, also, if you give us a five-star review on iTunes, we will also give you a shout-out in our next show. We have a Patreon, so if you'd like to support the podcast and help towards better mics, lights, and recording equipment for our hosts, any support is greatly appreciated. Um, so now it's time for the plugs. Um and just let us know where we can find you and where to find your work. So Jared, would you like to start? Tom?
1: Yeah. So, um, you can find, uh, hit the apex podcast on Twitter at Hit the apex media. Um, currently doing weekly shows cause we've got, uh, race reviews every, every week. And, this week um, coming will be quite special with the Bathurst 1000 on in a few hours time as well. So I'll be all over that um, on next week's show. And of course with the, the Saudi Grand Prix as well. So Yeah, give us a follow. Um, Just me talking about stuff I like, really. So this is it's and bit of bit of good fun as well. So yeah, last couple of episodes for the year um, before um, a nice, well earned break. I think.
0: Yeah, Um, Olivia, where where can we find more from you?
2: Um, I write for F1Total.ca, so uh, I cover. Friday practice sessions and the occasional qualifying session. And in the middle of the week, I write about any news that unfolds. Sometimes I cover um, news for um, my university newspaper, F1 news for my university newspaper, the University of Toronto. So um, you can catch that on Cairo Olivia um, on Twitter. Just those two.
0: And Tom, where can we find more from you?
3: Yeah, so I'm part of Everything F1, you can find us at everythingf1.com, uh, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, which is at join the F1, and on Facebook we have our group, the Everything F1 Paddock, you can also find us on YouTube, uh, which is the Everything F1 uh, YouTube channel, as the F1 theme starts playing on my headset, um, sorry, I've got the, still got the F2 on, um, also, we have the Everything Up On podcast where we have some really, really good guests. We had Tom Gaynor on last week, um, where we previewed this this uh, this weekend now. Um, Talked to him about his, his career, all the rest of it. You can find that on Apple Music, Spotify, um, all your favorite podcasting locations. I forget them all, to be honest, and also on our website.
0: And... Uh- Forbid! you want to hear more from me? Um, I write for uh, sportlightpro.com where I cover Formula, uh, Formula 1 as well as uh, various other sports. Um, So yes, yeah, so that's sportlightpro.com if you want to see more from me. um, I want to thank all of my guests for joining me today. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow at 8.30 UK time to review the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix. So until then, goodbye.